Hi, welcome to the Anbree podcast. We're here with Dr. Chelsea Page, an intimacy and women's empowerment expert and coach. Hi, Dr. Chelsea Page. Hello, hello. I am so excited to be here. Me too. How have you been? I've, well, I've been good, although I had surgery last week. So it's been quite a place of love and self-care and relaxing. So it's actually really nice to kind of jump back into work and use my brain a bit because I've been all couch potato. (laughs) And your recovery has gone well? Yes, it's really good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Thing went well. So yeah, so all good, thankfully. Oh, good. I'm so grateful to hear that. Uh, You have a background in mental health and you're a self-proclaimed reformed people pleaser, perfectionist, and overachiever. You work to help others step into confidence and connect with themselves and their relationships. Mm -hmm. That, yes, that is me. And definitely I, I know um, before this, we had talked about like recovering people pleaser, reform people pleaser, and it is, it's a process, but I have certainly changed just the direction of how I live my life. And it's so, so, so nice. And and I'm sure we'll be diving into that, but it's been such a, it's been a transformation. I almost feel like a butterfly coming out of my cocoon. (laughs) Well, I'm wondering how, at what age did you discover that you are predominantly, or what made you a people pleaser, a perfectionist? Uh, Good question. I, The pieces that I've really contributed. So growing up, I had, there were divorces up the wazoo. So my role that I had found for myself was just trying to make everybody happy. Because if I made everybody happy, which of course you can't do, and it's honestly a type of manipulation. But the idea was, it was my strategy as a kiddo that just try to make everybody happy. And so no, no anger or no frustration or no ill stuff was happening toward me. At least that's what I was trying to prevent. So that I was pretty young, I would say, I mean, I'm guessing like probably about five or six. That's when I know kind of my little inner child, one of my inner childs that was kind of hurt emotionally, definitely developed a people pleaser strategy around that time. So I, I held it for a long time. That's for sure. What age did you decide that you were going to step out of that? Or more importantly, what age did you even recognize that's what was happening? Mm, I feel like I... It's like I knew it was happening. I would say maybe more when I was in my late teens and early 20s. I like knew, like, okay, I am living life in a way that is not working for me. I, it, like, something is wrong here. Like, I could, like, I kind of could, knew and could feel it, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. It's like something is off, but I don't know exactly what is off, let alone what to change about it. And um, really, the more awareness that I got through my own professional education and learning and all it that and also my own therapy is had been really enlivening the awareness around what actually am I doing that's not working in my life. So it was it was really this kind of process, if you will. What field were you studying while you were going through this? I was, in, so my 
I, I did a lot of education. That was part of my, I think, perfectionist side of me was like, if I know all the things and I have all of that, then everything is going to be hunky-dory and great. And that is definitely not the case. You got to do a lot of the self-internal work, not just the mind work, right? I just had graduated from my journalism degree, my undergraduate, and I was in the process of doing my master's in mental health counseling and my doctorate in human sexuality. So I was like doing all of the things. And I think there, there was a part of me during that time that was like, enough is enough. Like something has got to change. This is not working. So it was quite the life explosion, if you will. I, at the time when you know, my divorce happened. It was something that I had initiated and I had realized that I had developed my life from those old protection strategies, especially my people pleaser. And it was what I call kind of this outside in living. I was doing all this external stuff, trying to, you know, put all the pieces, like if I find the perfect partner and if he has the perfect family and, you know, he had like the perfect job and he was such a sweet man too, like no ill things against him whatsoever. But I developed all of this kind of external pieces of what's supposed to make me happy and I like twirled around, did all that. And then I got to like myself. So I went outside in and then I was like, this is, this isn't fit for me. Like I didn't, I didn't decide any of this. Like my, all the external stuff was decided for this. And so at the time it was really hard to make that decision, but I knew it was the best decision for me, even though I knew there was going to be a huge journey ahead to really really find out who the heck Chelsea is. Like, who am I? Not just who I think I'm supposed to be. So, and it was hard. It was really hard and um, definitely not the most pleasant, but I think the impact was it gave me kind of the kick in the pants <laughs> to do the transformation that I needed to do to then also be able to help other women also make that same transformation. And when you made that decision to um, go internal and really find out who you were and what you wanted and to make your own decision. What were those first few steps out of that decision like for you? Well, it was first a bit of chaos because it was, okay, I'm disrupting everything that I created, like all of the, <laughs> it's almost like this perfect kind of development of like a, like a house of cards or something. Like I meticulously put everything up and then I was like, I just crumbled it all down. And so part of it was an undoing of what was, and then really starting to explore who the heck Chelsea is in that exploration process. Honestly, it's an always ongoing process. It's always looking into the nooks and crannies of my heart and discovering more and more and more and exploring more and more of who I am, what that looks like, what I like, like what kind of food I even like. I didn't even know what my favorite color was. I, I wouldn't even you know buy anything for myself. I wouldn't do anything for myself. So it was exploring first what that actually what I actually am and what I, what I love and what I don't love. So it was a big exploration process. Do you remember the first true self self? <clears throat> Do you remember the very first true self decision that you made for yourself? Mm -hmm. Yes. I, well, 
There's almost two in that. And I say two because there was these different levels almost of these self decisions. And I'll go with one first and then I'll explain the other. And one of them was when I, through this exploration process, really consciously made a decision for myself. And it was, I went to Target of all places, or Target as I like to call it. And I, I remember it had been this process through my therapy of really understanding and exploring, right? What does Chelsea like? What does she not like? And really honoring that and embodying it. And I remember I identified, I really like elephants. I think they're just strong, magnificent animals and just the meaning behind kind of the symbol of elephants just really resonated with me and love, love elephants. Like if you're in my house right now, like I could see like three elephant things actually. So definitely love them. And I remember going, walking through the jewelry aisle and I found this elephant necklace and I, it was the first time and gonna bring tears to my eyes. It was the first time where I was like, yes, like, yes. It was like a full wholehearted. Yes. Like there was no hesitation. I didn't have any, what ifs I didn't judge it. I didn't question it. It was just like, yes, I want that. And it was like $12 or something like that. So it, that was one of the first times where I fully kind of brain and heart, like all of me really consciously chose something for myself. And it was an elephant necklace of all things. <laughs> so you can see how it brings up, you know, that heart emotion, definitely an emotional person. So that's, that's one of those kind of first moments. And the other moment and why I'm like, why I'm saying this actually is another moment of doing something for me, but it was, I feel like it was like the next level version of myself that chose this, that almost like my higher version of myself that I didn't quite have, you know, connection with or a friendship or relationship with that part of me. I remember it was when I was in my past marriage, I was sleeping on the couch and I don't know why I was the one sleeping on the couch. I was just in a self punishment place. And so we had had another argument and I was sleeping on the couch and I remember having a dream where I got struck by lightning and my like higher version of myself leaned over me, <clears throat> excuse me, and said, you're going to be okay. <clears throat> excuse me. And I feel like that was my higher version of myself saying, you're going to be okay. Like this, you need to do this. This is for you. Meaning you, you need to kind of distract everything that was created. And even though as painful as it's going to be like being struck by lightning, you're going to be okay. So I feel like that decision was almost, again, it's almost like, was it mine? But it was, it was like my future self, even though that sounds kind of woo-woo. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I, I want to go back to what you said was you were sleeping on the couch. You're not sure why you were the one sleeping on the couch. Maybe you were self-punishing. Do you find that those of us that are people pleasers, perfectionists, that we self-punish quickly and more often? I feel so. And I think it definitely does happen often. And I think it's something that it, we just get stuck in a confusion of where our priorities are and who's the one to blame, even though no one's to blame. And so I feel like it does, it does happen more often, if that makes sense. How do you move out of that? 
Is that something that you, you have to give up first Mm. or something you have to stop doing first? Mm. That is a very good question. It's hard to sometimes identify what needs to come first. It's because it is this ongoing evolution of things. And I feel like a big piece of, I mean, even in, if we're talking about kind of self punishing and not blaming and taking, it's about taking ownership of what is happening. And I feel like that is a big piece of growth and finding who you are and what it is that what you are in this world is not ever blaming yourself or blaming somebody else or blaming the situation because blaming doesn't get us anywhere because it, it just, it just wraps you up in circles. But instead it's, you know, taking this ownership of what is my piece in this and not taking all of it on because it's not all me. But when I take on and take ownership of whatever pieces that I have then I can actually change and grow from there. It becomes this opportunity rather than this blaming, shaming kind of like weighted thing. So it's a, it's a mind shift. How did you find yourself in the arena of intimacy and coaching women for empowerment? So, so you went through all of this in your childhood, you've done all of this growth. At what point did you enter into what you do today? It was along the journey there. I way back, way back when, when I was like a little kid, like not little, little, but I remember my mom gave me a book about, um, I don't remember what it was called, but it was just about, you know, the human body and how sex works and that kind of thing. And I remember um, telling my, like one of my neighborhood friends about it. And um, I was like, how do you not know this stuff? And so it was almost like this first feeling that people need to know and be educated around just the sexual side of things. And I had first thought about being a sex educator. And I realized that I don't like just the teaching and the information of pieces. I really love and connect with the growth and the development and the just the connection of things. And that's where I stepped into this idea of more of, you know, being um, therapist. So I have my therapist license, but I'm actually really fully going into my online coaching. So along the way, it's how do, how on earth do you be, help people like be a, you know, a coach in the sexual or intimacy field? Like, how do you even do that? There's no you know, you can't, it's not like you go to a job, like my husband, he's an engineer, like there's a very clear curriculum of like the steps that you need to do to become that. And so I just talked with people in the field of where they went to school and how they created their business and their help. And it's been an evolution. And I realized that helping people with their relationships inside and outside the bedroom is so important because not a lot of people talk about inside the bedroom. And Unfortunately, even a lot of marriage counselors, they maybe even have like one class on sexual stuff or they're even hung up on their own sexual stuff. And I've had so many people come to me saying that their um, their couples therapist didn't even ask them about their sex life. So I'm like, no. <laughs> so it becomes a pa- it's a passion of mine for sure. And, and intimacy goes both ways, um, emotionally and physical. 
Um, do you find that clients are making the connection? There's something emotional happening with me that's affecting the physical intimacy, or are you helping bridge those connections for them? Yes, I, I definitely help them see that because, um, and I help a woman with a whole bunch of gauntlet of, you know, inside and outside the bedroom and just empowering themselves, whether that's sexually or non-sexually. And they come to me and they're like, I want to want to have sex. I want to want to be intimate. And like it used to be maybe easy in the beginning of a relationship or maybe before we had kids and it's gone. Like what's happening? What's wrong with me? Right. There's a self-blame coming in. And so I help them see that there's nothing wrong with you. You know, sometimes we do need to go do a biological body checkup. Just make sure our hormones or any health concerns or any medications not getting in the way. But mostly it's making sure that one, you have a good relationship with you, taking care of you and loving you and making sure you're honoring your emotions and the care for yourself, your wants and needs and all of that. And then two, having an emotional connection with your partner. Because if we don't have, if we're not feeling an open heart toward our partner, it's really hard to open our legs. So we got to have that connection. Right. And do you also... Um do you also work with clients that might be having difficulty in intimacy, emotional, physical, um, either one or both due to trauma or past, um, past injuries and, and hurt? Yeah. Their past injuries are definitely big ones. And this is a place where can be really helpful to understand the difference between, you know, therapy and coaching. So, you know, if someone does come to me who's saying that, you know, I'm really trying to heal from a big trauma, a big wound in the past that could have been physical, emotional, uh, all sorts of different things that are really big that can happen in the past. And so many of us go through those things, which just breaks my heart. But that's where therapy can be super helpful. It's when big things keep knocking you down. It's almost like you keep trying, like, like if you're sitting on the ground and you keep trying to get up, but these big things just keep knocking you down. And a therapist really can help you heal from what's happening so that you can actually stand up on your own. And that's where then coaching becomes really helpful. And there's some overlap here. But coaching helps you once you're kind of up and not being knocked down anymore, but you're up and you're walking. Coaching helps you start kind of walking and jogging and running to the dream of a life that you want because you're not being knocked down all the time. So we need to have that first piece. If you if you do have some of that trauma or big things, that's where therapy definitely needs to come in place first so that you can get up and start walking. Right. And, and a, a component of that, I'm sure, is um, empowering women, of course, but also giving them communication so that they can con communicate with their partner. Mm -hmm. Yes, a huge piece. And it's so funny, the, that word communication, um, it comes up so many times. And I feel like it gets said like you need to communicate with your partner you need to communicate with your partner but then so many of us aren't given skills or tools on how to, on earth to actually do that right so then it's right. like okay <laughs> and i'm then, saying words and i i feel like i'm telling them yes how i feel and i'm using statements like it makes me feel blank mm -hmm. when blank but mm -hmm. then they're not making progress maybe they're not making 
the progress that they want. Yes. And the time span that they want. Right. Oh, time span is a big one. And this is something we can't judge time of when we are. I was actually just talking to the ladies in my book club. I have an intentional intimacy book club. And I was telling them that as we're growing into or practicing new communication with our partner or really stepping into new versions of ourselves, we're going to have this overlap time where there's this how we used to be doing things, right? Our old habits, our old ways of being, our old ways of thinking, all of that. And then we're trying to do this new way. And there's going to be this overlap. And sometimes there's a lot of overlap and it's going to take some time to really fully integrate this new piece. And sometimes it's a little bit smaller, but we don't know really what that overlap is. And that can be one of the most frustrating because sometimes you might act as your old self and sometimes you might act as your new self. And so you're like, ah, why am I acting as my old self? I want to be my, the new part of me that actually has, you know, good, strong conversations with my partner. And it's, so we don't want to judge it. We just need to know that it's a journey and a process. That's for sure. And that's a, a very important thing to point out that you don't want to judge it. And then mm-hmm. also understand sometimes it might resemble a dance. You know, you make some progress, you take some steps back. Um, but there's also that when you said earlier that you find what your piece is in it, that you're not, that you don't have to take on the blame of everything. Um, and that, do you teach that as part of the communication and the journey that your partner and you will experience frustration or, you know, even irritability on this growth? And that's normal, but you don't have to take on your partner's frustration and irritability. You just have to recognize it. Or how do you deal with that? How do you deal with someone that's irritated at you and you're a people pleaser and you're already dealing with wounds and you can't heal those and it just starts mounting? It's a very good question. And this is where the kind of the art of relationships come in, where there's this balance of, you know, I'll, I'll use myself and as an as example is, you know, I mentioned this past week I had surgery. And so I internally, right, my own self, I was going through a lot of emotions, but I'm in a relationship. I have a marriage. I have a husband who's also going through his own emotions and we have the relationship dynamic as well. So we have three different processes going on at the same time. This process within me, the process between us and the process within him. It's, it's a lot to navigate. And part of knowing what is mine to navigate is huge. My process within me, that's mine to navigate. The, my part in our cycle, our dance between the two of us, I have a piece in that. It's not all mine. He gets the other half. And everything that's happening within him, that is all his, right? And it's, it is a hard thing because I used to be, I, I, I would take all of it, right? Meaning I would take on the whole relationship. I would take on all of his feelings, try to help it. And honestly, I wouldn't even take on mine. I would neglect it, right? That's the people pleaser side of me in the past. I would forget about what was going on inside of me. And so it becomes this, you know, I call it emotional push-ups. We practice expanding, having this capacity to hold yourself and hold the relationship at the same time while also maintaining a boundary that that is not mine 
to manage. This is mine to manage. And you practice it over and over and over and over and over and over again, just like push-ups, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's where we have to be again patient with the journey because sometimes it's gonna it'll take a while to get stronger. But if your intention is to get stronger, then you will get there. It just might take some time. I like the way that you explain things because you you hear in self-help books and you hear set boundaries, set emotional boundaries, empower yourself, free yourself. It's all good. It's all positive. If I set boundaries, then I'll be, you know, more true to myself. Uh, I won't take on extra things that are not mine. I'll have effective communication and then you fail and you don't, you know, you set the boundary and then you push the boundary line back or you find yourself spiraling because they're upset mm. and you make them happy because mm-hmm. they're upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like the way that you explain it because it is, it's about pushups and it hurts the first time you do yeah. push-ups. the first and time you work. You're out, like, you're oh, can I do it? <laughs> you're very, very sore. Um, what do you believe is a catalyst? for women to be everything to everyone because it's more common in women to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a common thread amongst, I think most women. What is that? What is that catalyst? The being everything to everyone. Hmm. Honestly, for the way I feel it is, is, We get passed on messages from past generations and what was passed on to them, right? Gets passed from their generations before and it gets passed on. And oftentimes what happens is we play hot potato sometimes where generations kind of pass on these wounds. They're like, we're not going to deal with this. Why don't you deal with it? And they pass it on. Or, right, we pass on just how, you know, men are supposed to be behaving, how women are supposed to be behaving, how relationships are supposed to be, you know, how we're supposed to show up in the world. And it becomes this huge pass down, almost like this kind of water slide of things that gets like dumped in our lap. And there's actually one of my favorite books. It's called Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski. And she mentions, which I love this analogy, that our, our parents and our past culture and everything, when we grow up as kids, we have this garden of our life and some of the things that get planted are not the things that were ours in the garden. They kind of get planted there, right? Saying that, oh, as women, we need to behave this way. We need to be givers, right? It's don't be selfish. You need to be selfless, give unto others, right? All of those messages, you know, be pretty, be kind, right? Don't cause a fuss, right? You can't be angry. Angry doesn't look good on you. There's all these messages that come across. So all those get planted into our garden of how we're supposed to be and what our life garden looks like. And then, right, many of us reach this point and it happens at all different ages where you kind of like look at your garden and you're like, I don't like this. (laughs) Why is this planted here? Why is this plant here telling me that as a woman, I need to give, give, give and be, you know, caring and giving, be feminine, you know, all of those things which is a good attribute to have, but we have to give to ourselves too, right? We get to take some space too in this world. And that's another thing, 
I could go on a huge rampant, but I'll say this one last thing is also, right, past generations in different cultures too, as women, we're supposed to be quiet, small, meek. We have to kind of fight against it and take up space with our voice, with our hearts, with who we are. And again, it's emotional push-ups to make that happen. Uh, the way I kind of view it is we're taught that we have to be a lot more strategic with our power. Ooh. And the thing that comes to you know, comes to my mind is the man's the head of the house, but the woman you're the neck. And you, have to, you have to control which way the head turns, but don't do it loudly and don't do it aggressively. Right. You have to be very strategic. You have to be very, and almost manipulative. And I have to tell you, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at giving someone else an idea. Ooh. I'm way too direct at that, which might also, I've always attributed to this is why I'm single. <laughs> I'm not a good neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, even in that that vision, and I've heard that before too, right? Is like the neck and then the head, because right, and uh, yes, I've seen that all the times of almost like this quiet, passive. You know, it becomes a manipulation to try to implant your ideas of what needs to happen, and but then what this what this says is that. If you're the neck and partner's the head, then there's no like individuality in that. It becomes this, you both are the same and there's no independence where, you know, the way I like to see relationships is, you know, we have this I, you're an I and partner is an I and you guys can be a, like turn yourselves and turn your necks and your heads all on your own. But when you're in a relationship, you connect here. This is a happy relationship. And this is where the connection happens. But you're not in charge of like holding each other up. But you don't want to become so disconnected that you become eyes again. But you don't want to be like this, where you're then just turning all of the same with each other and right. the individuality. So you want to have some space and connection, but each person can function on their own. And yeah, you got you got to have the space and actually know. Right. For me, who is Chelsea in a relationship so I can hold my space and let my husband be in charge of him. Right. Which, you know, I'm going to put in some in some some suggestions into the suggestion box. Right. Of right. what is important for me in a relationship. But I can't control him, nor do I want to. You can get depleted quickly. Yeah. Whether whether you're dealing with the emotional intimacy, mm -hmm. physical intimacy, setting boundaries, finding out who you are, mm -hmm. trying to get that nice. I like what you say where there's a connection to where you can support each other, but not have to hold each other up. That's, yes. that's big. And I don't want you to give away your practice or anything. <laughs> what is, what is a couple of tips that you could give women that might be listening um, right now that are feeling very depleted, very heavy, just exhausted. Mm. Yes. Well, as you said, sometimes we feel like we're doing all the things and I used to be there. I totally understand it. That was, I mean, in the combination of people, pleaser, perfectionist and overachiever, right? If I'm going to please you, I'm, I'm going to like do it well. So I'm going to do it perfectly. And while I'm at it, I might as well do all the things to make sure I'm covering all my bases. 
and exhaustville, like burnout central. And so many women get to this place too because they are in this externally giving. And then, right, it's the whole cliche of, although it, it is accurate that we need to put our oxygen mask on first before we help other people, but we forget that. And so we end up giving, 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 giving right to either partner or work or kids, right? If you're a mom, I hear this from many, many moms. It's, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted because so much energy is being given to my kids. And then, you know, sex is going to be the last thing on my mind. And so part of it is if you really want a life in a relationship where you feel happy, where you feel relaxed, where you feel like there's space for you, then this is why I intentional intimacy, that word intentional was very vital for me to have in my business because we can't just go in wing it mode. We can't go on autopilot mode. We have to do the things that fuel you up and create space for that. And being able to create that space, usually the first thing that a lot of women tell me is like, well, I'm so busy. Like I have no space for any of that stuff. And even that idea of even thinking of like taking time for me, like I can't even think about that. So you start small, like uber small. That might be a five minute meditation every morning or once a week it might be. But you start somewhere and then you grow from there. But if you don't start anywhere, then you're not going to go anywhere. All right, so you start small. So I think another thing that is also really important is understanding that often what stops us from focusing on ourselves is those old protection strategies. And so even though there's a part of you that might be saying, I want to really focus on myself so I can feel more grounded and more calm and not abandon myself, but be there for myself, is you're going to get some resistance from those old protection strategies. So when I started to create more space for myself and relax, like sit on the couch and actually watch a TV show without also having a computer open while also not having to be productive, I got a lot of resistance from my overachiever part of me and the perfectionist part of me. They're like freaking out, like, no, 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 you cannot relax. You can't do this. And that's where the internal dialogue really comes in and the practice of emotional intelligence is saying, I know, I know this feels scary to rest right now. I know this might feel scary to take space right now, but I, this is what's happening. I really want to step toward this more grounded version of myself. So even if a part of you is freaking out, you it's like you're mothering those parts of yourself and saying, I hear you. I hear you that you're freaking out, but this is what we're going to do. It's going to be okay. I can relax. People will still love me if I take time for me. That's the biggest thing. Really, if you don't hear anything else of this whole thing, remember that. People will still love you even when you take time for you, 100%. I think that that's a big fear because as soon as we start changing as individuals, those that are closest to us, they start seeing that change and that might make them nervous. And so we might get some external resistance or questions or explain yourself kind of what do you give your clients to help them put language to those conversations and that communication without taking on the responsibility of I have to ease your fears yes and that that's and there's multiple things that go on there one that piece like you said is not being responsible for what another person is feeling which can be really hard when you're used to being 
feeling responsible for that. And that's in, it's an energetic boundary to really have is I am not responsible for that. What I am responsible is what's going on in me and communicating that well to somebody else. And so that goes into that second piece is, you know, as we change and grow, there's going to be some resistance from some people because they're used to you behaving a very certain way. Like they, they know you in this certain box and it's very predictable and it's almost like they already know the dance. It's like choreographed, right? They know it. So if all of a sudden you're changing the game, they're going to be like, what are you doing? What's going on here? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to this version of you is basically what happens in there. And part of it is really understanding your why, why am I expanding and growing myself and really stepping in strongly into that and then inviting all those that you love along with you in that journey. Um, I was stuck in a pattern with un- of unhealthy eating habits and not really working out and it was just going in a not good trajectory. And my husband and I were kind of feeding off of each other and getting caught in this bad habit cycle, right? And, you know, eating out a lot and those kind of things. And I had decided for myself, for me, that I I want to be healthy. I want to be taking care of my body more. And that is so, so important and vital to me as an intentional woman to really step into that. And so I had all these whys in holding on. And I remember telling my husband, it worries me because I am getting into another raft and kind of floating off of it to something new and different and trusting that you will come with me at some point. And I'm inviting you, that word inviting is going to lead you in so many good places. Is I'm inviting you to come along with me whenever you're ready. But until then, I'm just, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And that I would think would help speak to whatever fear that they have, or are they going to change so much that they're not going to need me or they're going to leave me behind. Mm-hmm. And when you say invite, and then another thing that you said that I really like is that trust word. Um, because I can just imagine if you're going through a change or if you're shifting something and you're going through this journey and you're really trying to grow and, or you're trying to heal, um, just trying to really define who you are. Um, if you can look at your partner and go, I'm so glad that I can trust you enough to allow me to go on this journey. How much more effective is that sentence than I got to change? This isn't working for me. And they're like, what do you mean this isn't working for me? This yeah. is working great for me. What? Yes. And that <laughs> good way to sum that, that piece up because him even trusting me that as I dive into the depths of myself, that he is someone that I still want to be there. And that I am trusting him that as I dive into parts of myself, that I feel safe to do that. And that is something it's probably going to bring tears in my eyes again. Told you I was emotional is this is where the importance of having a partnership where you have that trust and that feeling of a secure relationship, uh, which goes hand in hand where you develop a secure relationship with yourself and you become more insecure in the relationship and it almost becomes a chicken or the egg thing. So you have to be doing kind of both at the same time, but all of this work that I have done over the past handful of years, Honestly, I don't know if I could have done it without my husband. He didn't really do anything 
but it was knowing that when I dive into myself and I'm like maybe like going under the water and I come back up for air, then he's there, right? And it's it becomes a sense of safety that because I feel safe in the relationship, I feel safe to go into the dark corners of myself and face myself and know that I'm not going to be alone to do that. And I did a lot on my own, but partnership, that's where the safety of having someone else can be so beautiful and valuable. And what a wonderful way to illustrate the difference between support versus taking it all on. Yes. I mean, him acting as a support, I'm here when you need me, Mm -hmm. allowed you to go to depths that you probably wouldn't have otherwise, like you said, been able to. But had he tried to fix everything for you, you wouldn't have gotten the same work out of it either. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's something to remember even on kind of this reverse side, too, is as as women, if we try to do all the things for our partners, we are depriving them from their own internal journey and their own growth and their own expansion and their own just knowing of themselves. And so to step back, right, part of it, if we literally think of like, here's kind of a bridge and we, if we as women keep trying to like run to the other side and do all this work, right, that's why we're exhausted because we're like running to the other side all the time. We need to step back and only go to the middle and allow our partners to come and actually meet us there and that growth and that opportunity because that empowers them. We want to empower our partners too and ourselves. And so by doing the stepping back, you're allowing the space for you to take care of you and for your partner to actually step into themselves and into the relationship. That's where the beauty and the balance comes in. It sounds like a lot of work, (laughs) but it doesn't sound like impossible work. No, it's not. It's worth the work. It is 100% worth the work. And you have built a very successful business Mm -hmm. that has now gone global. Yes. How did you get it global? (laughs) Well, good question. Just like this, it's doing interviews with wonderful women like you who have access to other wonderful women in the world. And so when I get to connect with you, who has connections with others, who have connections with others, then I can reach you know, someone in Australia, I talked to a gal from Australia the other day, and it's the glory of the internet that we have this, and it's women saying, let's let's do this together. Like, let's rise. And one of my own coaches that I have, Melanie and Lair, she's freaking amazing. One of the things that she says is together we rise. And so, you know, if one of your listeners, you know, if you know a woman in your life who could benefit from this, share, right? Share the love so that we can all rise together and be empowered together because it's not a competition. Nobody's racing to the end. We're all just wanting to rise together. And it's a beautiful thing. Well, tell people how they can find you. <laughs> yes. Well, good question. Well, I'm mostly hanging out on Facebook land. So you can find me, you can friend me or follow me on Facebook, Chelsea page, or I have my um, business page. That's 
not really the most exciting, it's more businessy stuff, but it's intentional intimacy with Dr. Chelsea. But from there, you can also find my Facebook group. So that's the Intentional Intimacy Women's Group, which is, a, it's a private group just for women. And I do some free master classes in there. I actually just did one on self-love leadership. Um, so that's on replay in the group. And you know, there's conversations and chats that are in there. And I do, right now I'm doing a 365 day Facebook Live challenge. So you could see me every day if you wanted. So I'm popping on camera either in the group or um, also on my page. So, and I have an Instagram as well, all under Dr. Chelsea Page, you can find me. Perfect. Okay, so if anyone needs a coach, if anybody is feeling a struggle with intimacy, emotionally, physical, or empowerment, um, or you're just exhausted all the time and you feel like there's nothing left to give. Yeah then you should reach out to Dr. Chelsea Page. Absolutely. Because in just this short time, I'm feeling a little bit more filled up just being able to ask you questions and your energy and, and all of that. So I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Oh, I'm so, so happy to be here. And I'm so glad you got filled up. And this has been one of my favorite interviews. I love chats and just really sharing the process and what it can look like. And yes, feel free to reach out to me. Just You can just find me on Facebook and send me a direct message. I might be just sitting on my couch messaging you back. So we'll, we'll figure it out. And I have group programs and my one-on-one -on -one coaching and that free stuff in my Facebook group. So you'll find something for you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you to all the sponsors of the Ambry podcast. Without you guys, we couldn't keep bringing you shows week after week. A special shout out to our co-producers, Jay Beam and T Martin. You ladies are amazing and your support means the world to me. If you'd like to be a live audience member, you can find us at www.patreon.com forward slash Ambry. You'll get to see and hear all of the interviews before they hit the airwaves, get access to Q&A and bonus content from and with our guests. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.